Welcome back to um, the show. I'm really excited today to welcome Malcolm Smith again. Um, Malcolm was my first ever male guest and I'm so excited to have him back on the show. Uh, he teaches uh, Krishna Macharya's yoga and we're going to have a direct experience of that today and we're also going to be diving into the conversation around what direct experience is. Um, Malcolm has this way of communicating the profundity of the ordinary with compassionate curiosity and true sense of wonder. And we're going to be diving deeper into the conversation we had in season two, episode three, if you want to check that out. And we're going to go deeper with direct experience right now. And Malcolm's going to come on and guide us in an experience. I'm going to hand it straight over to you. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's so good yeah. to be back. Thank you. And so for anyone listening, wherever you are, if you're driving, make sure not to close your eyes. <laughs> if you're sitting on a chair, you can close your eyes if you want to. And so for, for anyone who's actually practiced uh, yoga maybe before, you might be familiar with the Ujjayi breath, which is this kind of ocean breath, gluteal throat breathing that we can do. Um, if you're not familiar with it, just imagine that you have to clean your glasses, okay? And you want to put some steam on them. But try and do it with your mouth shut and just allow the exhale to come through your nose. So it just brings a bit of a raspy exhale with a slight sound, slight vibration in the throat. So just try experimenting first with this exhale and then try to duplicate or imitate that sound, that movement in the throat on the inhale. And if it's very subtle at the beginning, that's fine. And it doesn't have to be very loud. You'll get used to it the more you practice it. It'll become a bit more normal. So the idea is to use this breath for the next few minutes. And we're just going to do a, a simple practice, a simple breathing practice. It comes from my teacher, Mark Whitwell, and his teacher's teacher, Krishnamacharya. Where basically we're going to be inhaling first in the top of the body, in the upper chest, and then only the stomach will fill in. And on the exhale, we'll allow the stomach to come in. So you can just put your hand on your chest already, put one other hand on your belly. And just keep on breathing with this ujjayi breath, with this ocean breath. Inhale, receive the inhale in the upper chest and in the belly. And on the exhale, allow the abdominals to come in, belly to come in, and the chest to relax. And just start getting a feeling with this breath. We're often taught to breathe through either only the top or only the bottom. So just get comfortable with this new movement in the chest. At the beginning, if the breath is not very long, it'll be normal that you won't like dissociate 
on the inhale, the upper chest and the lower abdominals. So just inhale and allow all the chest to rise and exhale, abdominals come in. On the inhale, we receive. We receive through the upper chest, through the heart. And on the exhale, we find stability in the trunk, in the abdominals. And now just Obviously, if you're driving, like I said, don't do don't do any movements. Keep your hands on on the steering wheel. But if you're not, if you're actually on your chair, just you can let go of your hands. Allow them to drop. Allow all the front of your body to open like a flower. In front of your legs, your hips. Relax your buttocks. Allow the stomach to come out completely. Allow it really to stick out. Allow the chest to expand, to relax, to open. Allow your throat to open to, to soften. Now come relaxing the whole of the face. The jaw, the cheeks, the eyebrows, the forehead, all the way to the top of the skull and the back of the skull and back down through the neck, through the back and back down to the feet. And allow this information to circulate in the body. Uh, then it's okay to be soft. It's okay for the front of the body to open. And feel at the same time that you haven't lost this natural stability, the natural structure you have in the legs, stability in the feet, stability in the back, in the spine, in the neck. Kind of feel these two join meet at the front of this sensitivity, this receptivity, and at the back, this uh, spine really holding you. And now taking back then the breath we just did a second ago, we're going to come and bring a movement to come and help this breath. And we're going to allow this movement to be included in the breath. We're always going to come and bring maybe one second, half a second or more before the movement and after the movement. So the intention is always on the breath. So start inhaling with an ujjayi breath in the upper chest, stomach expands and allow your arms to come all the way up. You can look up if you want to. Exhale, abdominals come in and you allow your arms to come all the way back down. 
and go on doing like this. Just start listening to the rhythm of your breath. Start feeling the texture of your breath. How deep is it today? Or how shallow is it? If it's shallow, maybe you'll want to move slightly quicker. The idea here is not to stretch the breath too much, but just to allow it to expand naturally. Inhale in the whole chest, whole chest expands, arms come up, come and receive the breath. Exhale, abdominals come in, and the hands come all the way back down. Do that another couple of times. Just enjoy every single breath as if it was your, your first breath. And exhale, you give it back. And on the next exhale, bring your hands in front of the heart. Keep your fingers soft. Relax the jaw, the belly, the chest, throat. Take a few minutes, a few seconds in stillness just to allow the body to digest, to adapt. And that's it. So just as a little word for anyone listening, if ever you feel like doing this in the morning before your morning coffee or your morning tea, and you've just got a couple of minutes, you've got five minutes before rushing to work, and not more, you know, no fancy postures or anything, you just want to appreciate your breath, just do this. And you can come back to the podcast and just get these really simple indications of just like weave it in your ordinary life, in your daily life. I wish I had more words because I know we're supposed to about <laughs> supposed to have a conversation now, but um, <laughs> uh, there's nothing ordinary about that. But it's ordinary at the same time. Mm. Yeah. It's wonderful, but ordinary. Mm. Mm. It's, it's been a long time since I've unrolled a mat to do yoga in that way. Um, but so much of what we're about to explore through the conversation really was so present for me in that experience, that direct experience. And, you know, we think things are ordinary and simple, but that's where, that's where it is. And I'd love to know um, if you're listening or watching um, this podcast, like, and you actually did stop to do it. Cause I know some people don't want to stop mm, and participate. So I want to, you know, acknowledge that too. If that was your experience, why did you, didn't you? 
maybe if you're driving a car or like what did you receive from that like I'd really love to know um direct experience Malcolm we're going to be diving into it today (laughs) I'd love to know um how you describe or define that and why it's so important Mm. there's a lot to unpack there definitely why is direct experience important well first of all because our life is very individual okay a very individual experience of this life even if a lot of things are common to us all, even if some truths are universal, it's an individual experience of it. And an individual experience cannot be duplicated. It, it can be pointed to, maybe, by some teachers. It can be suggested. But it will never be the same. So direct experience is not a duplication. It's not a reaction. It's not something that you can imitate, that you can do like your teacher, like your guru, because it's unique. It's never been done before because your body has never been done before. The person that you are, life that you have has never been done before. So it has to be direct. That's essential. And that's, let's say, we're going straight to the crux of the problem, let's say, like, we're going straight to the heart of what's wrong with a lot of, you know, spiritual teachings. Yeah. There's a lot of good advice out there. There's a lot of, um, you know, honest, earnest teachers that are trying to share their own experience, their direct experience, right? The problem is, we have this natural drive to duplicate. I mean, I duplicated my parents. Thank God, you know, it taught me how to eat, you know, how to stand my two feet, how to brush my teeth and so on. So we do have to duplicate things to survive, let's say. But when it comes to actually just living and enjoying our life, it can only be from the uniqueness and the singularity of our own experience. And that's why, you know, I wanted to start this conversation with just a five minute breath, because whether you want to call it yoga or not, doesn't matter really, you know. The breath is never going to be something that someone else can give you. It's always going to be your direct and intimate experience of it. So whatever words are added on it, you know, whatever theory, whatever, you know, fancy is added on it, fantasy or or else, it's always going to be intimate and direct. And even if my words try to point towards something that is direct and intimate, they're always going to drive you away, you know, The breath doesn't, you know, the breath 
helps you with that direct experience of life. Mm. I I just wish <laughs> because you know at the very beginning of I'll speak of my direct experience of that five minute practice. I'm like, oh yeah, I know this. Like there's a part of my brain. I taught yoga for 10 years. Like, yeah, I know what he's talking about. But there came a moment in that where I just let myself, myself just fade away into the breath, breathing me or moving me and just my connection to that and all of that noise just faded away which seems like, you know, like, oh, she shouldn't say that, Adriana, because you taught yoga for so long. But there's like a part of what you're saying because your brain just is like, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I know the words. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like what you were saying before of yeah. how like my words can send you this way, but it's never going to bring you to that directness. Mm. Yeah, completely. Mm. And when I teach, I find it much harder sometimes to teach people that have already practiced yoga yeah my best students if you want to say so <laughs> are the people that have never practiced yoga yeah because they come when they've practiced they come with all sorts of knowledge has been given and there's a lot of useless knowledge out there you know a lot especially in yoga you know mm -hmm. made a business out of it for you know two thousand years so and it's a good business you know it makes good money so Obviously, it's very attractive, but the reality of it is much more simple, much more ordinary, much more direct, intimate. Mm -hmm. and, and for that, we need to unpack, we need to unlearn you know, all that has been added on top of us. You know? All these knowledge, even you know, if you've been a yoga teacher, all these knowledge of the chakras and all that kind of knowledge, you know, that's a very... Uh, wanted kind of knowledge these days you know and yeah. it's in the way it's in the way of you actually enjoying your life yeah, yeah. I, it's it's interesting to you because it's been what over a year since we last spoke and um from afar um I've really witnessed you going on this like distillation on this path <laughs> like because that's that's the word I would use you just like I love that word that in and just like like what's the essence of what yes. I am trying <laughs> to do like that I'm connected to that I'm devoted to as a human being in service to other human beings right mm -hmm. and it's really interesting because on the parallel whilst I'm not teaching yoga whatever that is right Malcolm <laughs> I'm having a very similar experience of what it means to be in direct experience with emotion. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what you're talking about too, and I just wanted to, to contextualize it that way because it's not about the yoga <laughs> aspect. Exactly. Anyone listening is like, oh, this isn't a topic for me. It really yeah, yeah, yeah. truly is a topic for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to like rewind it a little bit and, and sort of see if there's anything you want to share about this distillation process you've been on for the mm. last year. And because this was very much 
part of, it was in the background of what you were talking about, but it's sort of become more to the forefront and really more the, the focus on the individual has really mm. c- come forward for you. So I'd love for you to share anything that feels, you know, there to be expressed in this moment about that. Sure. Well, um, it, it, it's it's true that like we started to get to know each other when I started my Instagram account, which was called Home to the Ordinary, right? Which is funny because now that I look at it, it is funny that that theme of the ordinary was already so present, you know? I, I think it's always been a word that's intrigued me. Now when I used to listen to spiritual teachers, so-called spiritual teachers, they would always say something like, but you know, I'm, I'm just ordinary. I'm just an ordinary man or a woman. I never got it. I was like, how the hell can they be ordinary? They're mm-hmm. on this stage, you know, they've got all these followers. They've got about 20 books. That is not ordinary, you know? For me, like, how the hell can you be ordinary? And they would always repeat, whatever my teacher was, they would all at some point say, I am just ordinary. I'm like, am I missing something? You know, because like, I'm paying a lot of money to see this person. <laughs> you know, I, I don't pay a lot of money to go and see my the, the postman, you know, or the the woman at the bakery or, or anything else, you know, because these people are all as ordinary as these spiritual teachers. Right? The thing is, I've always... Um, wanted to really go down to the bottom of that word, let's say, of the ordinary, to understand why the hell they're talking about that. And what this word brings forth in a way is, like you said, a distillation. That's a beautiful word, you know, Uh, really finding a single pointed ax in your life. And the ordinary often is, you know, uh, confused for something that is bland, something that is just, you know, like normal, right? But the ordinary is not normal. It doesn't have any norms, right? The universe is on ordinary. A great oak tree is ordinary. The, the tiny microcells are duplicating in miraculous ways are ordinary mm-hmm. but not only that you know your life is ordinary the coffee you drink in the morning is ordinary the breath you take is ordinary everything you do is ordinary so if you go from that statement you realize that in fact there there is nothing to get to right because everything is this latent ordinariness already Anything else is just knowledge added on top. Mm. Right. And so we, we got to know each other two, two, two years ago. Mm. And I'm pretty sure you saw that, like in the way I, I wrote things on Instagram has changed a lot. <laughs> a lot. And I would just... <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and the thing is, that what is actually touching on another subject we want to get on. Mm. It's about 
getting to know what to teach and what not to teach, right? Because anything that I felt was true, and I probably, if I read those posts, I can still see the truth in it. I would feel like I would have to put it out there. Like anything regarding anything, regarding relationships, regarding emotions, regarding life, regarding this, regarding that, I would have to put it out there. I would have to put my insight out there so that people can have it and maybe, you know, have that same insight and, you know, get past that. Yeah. You see, which is, you know, a very innocent um, way of thinking if you if you look at it. But at that moment, I didn't realize also the harm that it was causing, you see? Because my insight is not someone else's insight. My body is not someone else's body. My life is not someone else's life. Mm -hmm. you know? So to realize that more and more, the more I, I started teaching yoga, um, it's mainly the teaching of yoga that's really helped me distill the things I talk about, let's say. I've realized that people don't want to know anything, any of my insights. It's not important. Even I couldn't care less of my, of my insights now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, what people want is you know they want support they want love they want to be cared for they want to they want mm. to enjoy their breath you know they want to have a good life they want to feel the sun on their skin they want to you know enjoy the natural things of this beautiful world right that's what they want to to enjoy and they want to also step out of this whole, you know, life is a problem. Oh, yes. Um, kind of. Narrative. <laughs> say mentality or way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. See? So how can I assist them in doing that? Or how can I assist that singular person, that single person in doing that? Yeah. And it's definitely not in telling her what to do. You see? I, I think that's a topic that um, through uh, my direct experience and, and working with like feminine energetic is like can't tell it what to do, can't tell life force energy what to do. It just does it inherently and will do it anyway. Mm. <laughs> Whether you want to get into mental gymnastics with it or not, it'll happen anyway. Mm. Yeah, I think I think women have a, um, or I don't I don't like putting people like in, in kind of gender, you know, boxes. But in my own experience, I found that women have more of a natural capacity to allow people to find their own direction on their own way. It's yeah. a very male uh, imposition often, you know, to try and like tell people what to do. <laughs> well, you look at all the spiritual teachers and they're mostly men, so. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And um, I liked how, well, you mentioned it when you were speaking just now, but 
about the individual like mm. honing in on what's of, um, of service to the individual and that's a it's not something you hear about or spoken to in spiritual teaching it's always like of service to collective of service to community of service to da 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 and I'm like well my perspective of that is you can't do those things without the individual mm-hmm. being anchored so deeply in their direct experience in the knowledge of self or experience of self and that's something I think we could get into a little bit more because I don't hear these conversations very much, Malcolm. Mm. Oh, so good to hear. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, um, for, for one, you know, I've spent a lot of time, as you've seen, you know, talking about very non-dual subjects, you know. Mm. A lot of appeal to talking about non-duality talking about um, the fact that there is no one here, you know? Yeah. And there is some truth in it, obviously, you know, otherwise it wouldn't be here. There's always some truth in it. But again, it's it comes out not as direct experience, but as teaching, as theory, as um, something to duplicate. And the individual will only use it as something to duplicate. So Can you say, say more on that. <laughs> yeah, so obviously non-duality of life, the fact that we are absolutely, absolutely inseparable from the trees, from the air that we breathe, from the waters, from the sun from everything that's around us from any ordinary condition and beyond we are inseparable from it you know this is a scientific fact this is what my teacher also teaches and this is this is just a fact it's not something to be you know um, sought after or something to look forward to you know it's not some kind of non-dual concept that is out there floating in the you know in ether where you need to get to a point where you don't exist you know i spend a lot of my years trying to not exist you know mm. how bloody tiring you know it's so tiring to try, try not to be who you are you know it's so tiring it's painful so, too yes oh my painful. god yeah but, it's, it all comes through the same movement of not wanting to be ordinary. You know? <laughs> it all comes out of this same movement. And because the ordinary for us is, is related to something painful or not enough or yeah. something that is, that we're just going to disappear in the mass. You know? Yeah. It's, it's something. So, Sorry, you go. <laughs> no. I feel like that stems into the mythology that we have that human beings don't belong here, which is, again, the opposite. But, like, I look at all of the stories and the flaws and the sin of humans. It's just, like, it's so inherent in the stories that we tell ourselves. 
So I see why people are drawn to the non-dual teachings, but there's this conflict of like non-dual, I myself, is like this push-pull of pain between these two things of like the narrative and the myth that myths that we've inherited as human beings and the reality that we're all one. Yes, yes. And it's constantly, we're trying to constantly get an experience of non-duality, an experience of oneness. Mm. But if there was actual non-duality, who would they be to experience that, you know? So what I mean by all this, you know, non-dual topics that we go into is, is just a byproduct of allowing our individuality, our singularity to flourish, to flower, and right? to actually come and honor this individual, you know, this individual body, you know, this guy called Malcolm that I am, you know, <laughs> you know, is to actually honor just like the, the flaws, the mistakes, you know, the clumsiness, you know, just the, the total humanness that we are, everything in all its ordinariness to really just, um, well, we don't actually have to do anything. It's already there, you know, so it's already there and just it being there and us not trying to change it or improve it or get it to become some kind of new version of it some kind of new non-dual version of it or whatever <laughs> the, you know whatever the promise is um allowing that to you know just rest in its own form you know to allowing ourselves to rest in our own form and there's a you know just as a quick bracket there's this beautiful um, shloka in the yoga sutras that said tada drashtu swarupe avasanam and it means and then the seer the one that experiences can rest in his own form you know it doesn't say what form it is we don't need to know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter we can just rest in our own form right so resting in our own form in this ordinary form that we are allows for all those um you know, byproducts, all those um, non-dual teachings that we see to be seen as something very ordinary, you know, very simple, nothing, nothing um, up there, you know, fancy, something right here, down to earth. Yeah. But the thing is, often, these teachings are like an escape from my individuality. You see? Yeah. yeah. But if you look at like yoga teachers, oh, sorry, not yoga teachers. <laughs> I mean, if you look at spiritual teachers, often what we enjoy with them, and one of the reasons why we're so attracted to them is that they emanate such a singularity. Mm. Right? is that they are so okay with being the individual that they are. You look at all sorts of guys, you know, even like the, you know, the big, uh, the big guys like Sadhguru and everything that everybody watches <laughs> on. I can yeah. see millions of views on that. Yeah. You know, why do people like him? Because he's actually unapologetically himself, no way. 
the only problem he puts himself on the stage and that makes people think that he's more than ordinary you know so that's the whole you know yeah. whole thing happening again but <laughs> he is ordinary you know and people love to see that because they see the potential in them they're like oh yes you know but the thing that you know then as being ordinary seeing that we realize that it's all just you know it's very simple matter direct matter you know uh, then obviously there's this idea that we need to share these concepts you know that we need to teach that we need to tell people how to how to be or you know what to do and so on <laughs> so that's the that's the danger in a sense yeah. that's the, the main danger and that's where we need to basically learn what not to teach in a sense what not to say uh, yeah that is probably um one of the big like i've been teaching in some way shape or form for a number of years now and it's always about what can i cut out what can be left out to get to that the best question the best the clearest word the the thing that's going to bring the person closest to themselves Mm. And that takes so much time. It's taking me a lot of time. I'm still figuring it out. I think I'm always going to be figuring out as my experience continues to inform that. It's, but it's not even about what to leave out when we're teaching. I, I think it's an interesting concept to look at with how we're being with ourselves and how, we're being with other people in relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, and the teaching is first of all a relationship. You know, this is the the heart of it, you know. My teacher says that this is the heart of yoga, you know. The heart of yoga is the teacher-student relationship. And this, in a sense, the fact that the, the teacher genuinely cares for the student, not in a disempowering way, you know, where he tries to just add knowledge on top of him, on top of his ordinary life, but actually genuinely cares for that person and wants the best for them. Yeah. And in that way will like help them flourish Know, give them enough space to flourish, enough support to flourish. That's the heart of it, you see. That's truly the heart of it. And this is something that requires to, for us as a teacher, to be in the background in, in some way. Mm. You see, and that's something that often people want when they become teachers. You know? Often when you become a yoga teacher, you enjoy the, the attention. You know, yeah. you enjoy being in the center of the show and everything. So it, it requires a lot of subtle adjustments for that practice or for that uh, experience to be really for that person in front of you, for that individual in front of you, that they mm -hmm. uh, enjoy their life, that they enjoy their yoga. You know, it's not about you is not about the best teaching you can give or it's not about the best words you can have but it's about like 
how is that person responding to it, you know, and how can I adjust so mm. that that person can truly um, see what I'm talking about in her own experience, his yeah. own experience. It's uh, it's interesting though the the patterns that come up for people when they step into teaching, like there's a wound of not being seen that comes up so much. Mm. Um, that usually brings them forward into the need of being seen and some people are aware or not aware of that pattern get mm. stuck in that place others see it and start to evolve through it because it really does become about that and when you mentioned the genuine care that um teachers have for their students it's it's an interesting um relationship dynamic because of the world we live in um there's things are commodified power is abused there's like a lot of interesting um and important things to be able to discern too uh when it comes to that relationship and mm -hmm. I think unless you've experienced both sides of the coin, let's say, of what it's like to be in a relationship with a teacher that doesn't have your truest interest at heart um, and one that does, it's it's a very, um, I don't know, I've learned a lot, let's say, from the relationships I've had in that aspect. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm distilling what I'm saying, <laughs> especially because I've had a lot of teachers, you know, bullshit me during my life, you know, very honest people, you know, very, very kind, honest, ordinary people. But they were all stuck in that same, you know, way of teaching, that same disempowering way of, like, teaching, telling people what life is about. You know? And this is the problem with actually all words, even me talking yeah. to you in, in this format, you know, people think that I have something to say about life, you know, that like they, <laughs> they need maybe follow some kind of formula or something like that, you know, and there is no formula. That's what's great about, about yeah. it, you know, about the ordinary. And, um, and it's good to get sick and tired of it, you know, to get sick and tired of <laughs> getting sold <laughs> promises that never get you anywhere. You know, it's good to get tired of it. Sick and tired, you know, I don't want it anymore. No, thank you. Let me live my life. Mm. There's a big this shift happening with that now, though. I can really feel when it comes to spiritual teachers and embodiment and all of these things, it's like, let me just be me. Like, <laughs> that's all they, and, and in a good way, like, people are becoming more aware of I'm an individual what is my experience and I I feel that shift happening more and more and I hope it continues because for the change that we hope to see in the world I know some people have really uh dire straits view of like where we're going and others are really optimistic if we don't sit in that individual experience and just let ourselves be exactly who we are we're not going to get anywhere. But is there anywhere to get? This is the thing too. Like I knew this would come off in our conversation because um, of the nature of what we're talking about too. Like it's it's like the more words you put on it, 
the further away you get from it. But I think that's just the nature of talking about these things to bring awareness to people. Well, I think I think the promise of a future place is the hope that one day you won't be ordinary. <laughs> one day you won't be what you are. And one day you'll finally be healed. Yeah. One day you'll finally be, you know, something that's been promised by someone, you know, whether it's your therapist, yoga teacher, whatever it is, you know, but someday I'll get there. You know? And it's, uh, it's kind of de denying where you are. So obviously it is important that people um, acknowledge this individuality. But I think there's also a lot of a lot of beauty in actually trusting another human being, you know, truly, truly trusting another human being, whether it's obviously in an intimate, you know, relationship mm -hmm. or in actually a relationship to your teacher. Right. Um, my teacher would always say, keep your teacher within arm's length, you know. So it's always good. Like I love my teacher. And I have so much love for my teacher's teacher and his teacher. Um, but also, I don't need him to live my life. I love him, but I don't need him, you see? And this is something is that often we throw everything out, you know, like, oh, okay, I just want to be this individual. I want to live my life. I don't want any gurus. I don't want any teachers. I just want to do it the way I want to do it, and then people just do whatever they want to do, which is exactly what is already happening in the world. Everybody wants to do whatever they want, and then it's a mess. So I think it's also good to actually, you know, have some love and affection for someone that cares for you, mm. one that gives you space, someone that... Um, is actually maybe giving you tools to to flourish, you know, to, to grow where you are. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a fine line, you know, that we need to step on with with intelligence, you know? and it's something we're not really used to as Westerners. Let's say, you know, it's it's either all or nothing, you know. We're not really used to. Yeah, you made a good point um because there's a huge distortion around love but you made a good point of like i love you but i don't need you and i didn't i think that's something that is i'm 36 it's still something that i'm understanding and trying to you know keep learning about but the idea that those two things aren't connected in that but in our world they're so intertwined yes yes and that's where all the relationship problems come in and that's why also if you want to become a relationship coach you know that's you can make big money you know because people want to fix that you know because there's a lot of friction there mm. so much friction because we're constantly we want to find an arrangement where we still feel needed, where we can still need the other and still feel loved and loved. You know? mm. In my experience, love 
I know this is a very big loaded word and it's quite tricky talking about it, but in my experience, love is actually just um, allowing yourself to be the way you are without having any clue of the way you're supposed to be. Just allowing yourself to be the way you are without ha having any idea, any outside or inner idea of how you're supposed to be. Mm. And naturally, naturally, you want to care for, for another person because you, you've, you've kind of ended this manipulation of your experience. You're okay with being the way you are without any other solution, you know, added on. And therefore, you want to um, you want to allow that to happen to the person that's the closest to you. Maybe it's your family or your intimate you know, partner, and so naturally it grows. Obviously, mm. in my experience, it takes time, you know, to to allow that to you know seep into your daily life. But um, but yeah, that it starts first in our own embodiment. Let's say yes. I don't think I've heard a better definition of that, Malcolm. Honestly, I'm not joking. <laughs> it immediately made me think about the small children I know in my life, and they define like they just embody that definition yes. truly. And there's like this. Uh, the more that I. Um, beginning to study the more like subconscious uh, and mystical components of energy and emotion. Uh, I'm starting to understand how our culture thinks love is an emotion and it's, it's not an emotion at all. Mm. Mm. It's, it's yeah. almost like, and, you know, I'm still finding my way with it, but it's almost like, it's all of the emotions in one and it can shape shift and move. It's like a whole other thing outside of it. You can't fully experience it in, unless you describe it in that way. I really loved the way you described that. It was really beautiful. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Wasn't expecting this conversation to go there, but that's half the reason why I love having them. <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely it, it is really really important but it's true that it's um even you know i've had teachers talk about love in you know beautiful ways and we mustn't let that come in the way of our direct experience like i said it's like very important that we feel ready to throw this whole conversation we've had on the podcast throw it in the bin, you know, throw it in the fire, throw it out the window, you know, just throw it out, yeah. let it burn, you know, allow what has resonated in you to stay, you know, what it's brought forth in you, you know, in your chest, in your belly, what it's really brought forth, like, that will stay, you know, but throw out all the words, you know, all the definitions, you know, all the nice fancy sentences, you know, who cares? <laughs> Throw it out, please. I, I'm I guilty, <laughs> guilty of having notebooks of quotes and things. I literally, when I moved to Australia, I was like, I don't need any of this. I'm just like, get rid of it. 
but it's true. Uh, like, and, and that's the, that's been my experience for the last several years of just like everything just going, going, going until it was so ordinary. There was nothing left. Mm. And I still don't know what I'm doing <laughs> or who I'm supposed to be. I just know that what I feel is my essence and I feel that deeply. And I have that with mm. me every day. <laughs> mm. Um I don't know who Adriana Zaccardi is other than this feeling that I have. Um, but this is all the whole intention of even these podcasts. It's like I don't want these to be this to be a place where you come to learn more facts and hack your life and biohack this and da 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 and get the most. Like every podcast, like I mean, not every, but a lot of podcasts are like they try and like siphon and extract all of this out to make it valuable for you and I think yeah fuck that I'm like I want to do the opposite of that I want to have uncomfortable conversations meaningful conversations that bring you to a point in you that you're like what do I feel what do I resonate with here do I disagree I don't care whatever but to have a direct experience and like you said Malcolm just toss it away after yeah. Or maybe listen and, to it again. I don't know, but like have yeah. your own experience with it and move on. Definitely. Mm. I like to say in my my yoga classes, and I see it in people's face relax immediately. It's quite incredible. I, I often start my classes or sort of, and I, I tell them, just forget all the expectations you had for this class. Okay. And then I say, say, forget about the word yoga. Okay. Just forget about it. Get the word out of the picture. Okay? Because this is such a loaded word, just like love. Get the word love out of the picture. Who cares if you find love, if you don't find love, if you get to this place when you finally love. Just who cares? It doesn't matter. Just throw it out. Throw all that concept, all that promise out. Doesn't matter. What is here, you know? Your breath, you know, the tingling on your skin, you know, the sound of the birds, maybe, the stillness in the room, you know, the calmness of an evening or a very slow morning. You know, this is what is here, you know? This is enough. You know, it is definitely enough, you know, for, for any creature in the world, it's enough. So why wouldn't it be for us, right? I mean, look at the birds outside. I mean, I've got cats. I've got two cats. And I mean, they're the perfect example for that, you know. For them, it's just enough, you know. It's just, it's just enough. Mm -hmm. You know, a few naps here and there, and that's it. You know, life's amazing. You know, they're on top of the world. Yeah. So obviously I'm, I'm saying that as if it sounds, you know, simple to do that. But I know that we've got a lot of patterns that are like driving us away yeah, from, uh, that. from just simply being ordinary. You know, yeah. there's a lot of pain in us accumulated. There's a lot of fear. All that, you know, I'm not denying any of it. You know? mm -hmm. It is. It is here. It is. What I'm saying is not a, something to bypass all of that pain. You know, quite on the contrary, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. sitting or living with what is here, 
you know, not trying to find the next magic pill, whether it be yoga, you know, yoga is not a magic pill. I don't have the solution. <laughs> you know, it's not a magic pill, you know. There's nothing interesting in the magic pill. Magic pill fades away and then you're back with the same shit. So find something, whatever it is, dancing, breathing, moving, whatever works for you that actually allows you to stop wanting to be something else than, than what you are. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's so much, uh, I know from my own experience, which is all I can really speak of, there was just so much fear and, and pain to get to a point where that was enough. That it's so easy to want to look for the magic pill and the highs and the highly sensational experiences and because they're all so fun like that's also a fun part of being a human like going on this roller coaster and like doing all the crazy things and the things that aren't good for you and like all of that's very much part of it and it's all very ordinary too but mm. I know it took um it took a lot to be able to you know go and watch a sunrise and be like this is enough to go for a walk and just stop and look at every plant or flower and look up at the sky and that's enough that's enough you know and it brings up a lot of emotion in me because it is enough yeah and you are enough you know you're definitely enough you know and i mean how many people don't get to breathe and experience that you know and this is why these conversations are important to me mm. you know yeah crucial Definitely, because whatever we do, whether it's professional, um, you know, psychological, spiritual, whatever we're doing, you know, that has some kind of timeline attached to it. And let's be honest, everything has a timeline yeah. attached to it. Everything, you see. Mm -hmm. That timeline is saying you are not enough. And the timeline is here to take you to a place where you will be. Yeah. Whether it's the next promotion, whether it's the next yoga posture, whether it's the next, you know, whatever it is, just pick it. There are a thousand things to choose from. And they're all going to take you to a supposed place where you'll feel like you're enough. You know, and then we just have to post on Instagram about the fact that we've just reached this new threshold and feel maybe a hint of being enough because we get the likes, we get the people that appreciate that. We get, we kind of fool ourselves for a few seconds that we're actually arrived there. And then it's all the way back down again, back down the roller coaster, you mm -hmm. see. And constantly thinking, when am I going to arrive? You know? When am I going to get there? You know? How exhausting. How exhausting is that promise, that timeline? And I've been on that timeline since I, you know, since I can remember, you know, my whole life has been on this timeline. <laughs> and still aspects of my life are on this timeline, yeah. you know. Definitely professional aspects, you know. 
Yeah. And you have to finish things in certain times and like do things the proper way. You get this time like that comes in, right, in whatever you do. And so it is, it's it's like a it's a revolution. Uh, kind of an inner revolution to stand on your own two feet and to be like, I don't need any timeline. Thank you very much. Thank you for all your advice. Thank you for all your help and your techniques and everything, but I do not need another timeline. Okay. (laughs) And, And to find, maybe if you find a practice, whether it's yoga or something else, that assists your your body in actually getting rid of that timeline, you know, or being okay with having no timeline, then that's beautiful. That's really helpful. But it's different for everyone. Maybe it will work for you. Maybe it won't. It's quite radical in a world that is constantly pushing the agenda of a timeline (laughs) to be like, I'm not doing that thank you it's really radical and the thing also is that often we get it like on um we get it on the level of thought you know we get it on the level of thought like you you know you have all these movements of affirmations of people looking in the mirror Mm -hmm. and saying like i am enough i am this i am that and you know all this is on the level of thought level of thought will never sink in you know it's it's not ever gonna like touch your waters you know the real the real thing that needs to infuse in your waters is something that's close to your skin you know that's close to you that's why you know what you do you know with dance this is close to the skin this is why it, it it works this is why it feels so real because this is you know this is movement this is in your body yeah. Same for yoga, you know, this is movement, it's breath. The breath is probably one of the closest things you've got in life, one of the most intimate things you've got, even closer than the skin, right? So these things are much more important than any advice or any word or any affirmation or thought that we could have. Yeah. Thought, affirmations or anything actually will only become a distraction at some point. I agree. Any any practice, any teacher, any space that allows you to come into your own direct experience with life, with your wisdom, with everything is just like it changes everything. Let's just put it that way. It does. It really does. I'm so grateful for having conversations with you, Malcolm. <laughs> I feel like we go on these revolutions where we go around and around and then up and then down and they're just so beautiful and I, I feel truly alive when I, when I connect with you and um, I I hope that this is whatever their direct experience is, but I hope that this translates and is felt through the ether with whoever's listening, that it brings them into their own, you know, seat, into their own enoughness, let's say. Mm, yeah. I, I truly feel like that when I speak to you. Oh. 
I receive that. And it's, it is beautiful, these conversations with you. And these are like crucial conversations, you know, these are really important conversations uh, that we need to have, you know, it's really important. Um, yeah, it's really important. And if people uh, also at the end of this podcast feel like, you know, so just a suggestion, but they feel like going back to the beginning and rather than doing the, the breath practice at the beginning of the podcast, actually do it now, you know, help you digest what's been said, you know, or help you actually throw out what's been said. <laughs> I was, <laughs> was going to say, do you, would you like, I, I feel this desire to invite you to do something like that again to close the okay, call yeah. to, to finish okay. up. Would you like to? I'd love to, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Let's do it. Okay, so just put your hands in front of your heart. Just put them in front of your heart. But instead of putting the palms really, just start by putting the palms against each other. And then slightly start softening your fingers until you you create like a little cave in your hands, like a little space. And you feel all the softness in the hands. Place those hands in front of your heart. And try to acknowledge like that this space that you're holding between your hands, it's just like the, the heart space inside your chest. Allow that softness in your hands to just move around the body, just like we did earlier on. Start bringing softness in your legs, in your hips, your buttocks, start allowing the stomach to come out completely, relax the chest, allow the throat to soften, to open, And relax the rest of the face, the forehead, the eyebrows, the jaw. Top of the head, the back of the head. And just, you can tilt your head very slightly as if the head was Acknowledging the heart, the seat of the heart. Before doing anything else, just, just throw out any concept you have about the word yoga, any definition you have about the word yoga. Throw out any expectation you have about this 
practice. Forget about anything you think you're supposed to feel or not feel. Allow yourself to not know, to be soft, to open. And if you can still remember the breath we did earlier on, start inhaling in the top of the chest, belly rises, and open the arms on the side this time. Open up the whole chest, receive your inhale, and exhale, the abdominals come in, and bring your hands back in front of your heart. Bring as much softness in your movement as possible. Inhale first, chest rises, arms open, and exhale, abdominals come in. Keep on doing that. Just listen to your breath. Forget my instructions. The breath is the teacher here. You are the teacher. Just listen to your rhythm as if you were an instrument and you're listening to the head of the orchestra giving you your own rhythm your own tune to play on the inhale bring your intention in the throat receiving the throat in the chest and the breast the stomach and on the exhale abdominals come in spine stabilizes and go on like that and bring your hands back in front of your heart stay here relax the stomach the chest the jaw And forget about it all. Forget about the movements you just did. Forget about the breath. Don't have to do anything. Don't have to change anything. Don't have to improve anything. Don't have to know anything. On the next inhale, just Allow the chest to rise, and this time, just circle above your head and bring your arms above your head. Exhale, bring your arms all the way back down the inside. Keep just doing that for a few more breaths. Inhale first, and then the arms come all the way up. Exhale first, and the movement just follows. Allow your movement to be included in the breath. Keep your attention on the breath. On the inhale, receive the inhale. Appreciate how it's taking care of you, how it's nurturing you, nurturing your chest, your belly, your whole body. Exhale, you give it back. Inhale, you receive that. 
nectar of life. Exhale, you give it back. And do that one more time. Inhale through the whole body, whole chest receives. And exhale, bring your arms back in front of the heart. Relax the stomach, chest, jaw. Forget about what you look like. Forget about how you're supposed to be. Forget about what you're supposed to do. It doesn't matter. You're already fine. You've got nothing to change, nothing to prove, nothing to become. And just relax your arms, relax the breath. And that's it. And that's it, guys. End of the episode. Malcolm Smith, it has been an absolute honor. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for listening in. We'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm.